Hello, food enthusiasts, and welcome to this episode of the Future Foodcast. I'm Pam Line Miller, your host. Today, we have really fun innovation topics to talk about. We have Annette Gethin with us, and she is the Senior Vice President, Chef Innovator with Restaurant Associates. Welcome to the podcast, Annette. Thank you very much. Great having me. Well, <laughs> yes, we are so excited to have you and talk about some of the great things you're doing at Restaurant Associates and really with your broad background in the food space. So tell us what kinds of things you work on. Oh, I think it will be a short list of telling you what kind of things I am not working on. But uh, <laughs> with the industry coming back, you know, after two years of, of uh, forced hibernation, a lot that is happening is first and foremost bringing labor back into the industry, opening up, getting our feet running again, but also looking at what wellness means in this era of post-COVID. We all were aware of, of functional food and, and, and well-being, but I think it took a whole different meaning uh, in lieu of COVID. So wholesome eating, more plant forward, and of course not forgetting that you know, we also have responsibility for this planet. So everything that has to do with sustainability, democratizing food, redu reduction of food waste, reduction of plastic, um, and how the kitchen of the future may look like um, with automation, with technology. What does it mean for the skill set of the uh, of the of the future chef? So. That's very much in a nutshell, <laughs> a big nutshell. That is, that is a very big nutshell, actually. Let's, let's take a few of those things because some of those you're working with restaurant associates on, but you, you also have a lot of passions outside of that. So uh, let's start with what you have going on there at, at work as far as innovation, what you're working on. You, you talk about reduction of food waste and focus on healthier eating and how are you going about doing some of those things? Like where is your focus? Are you talking with consumers? Are you working with your customers? All of the above. Uh, okay. So certainly with reduction of food waste. Um, and again, I think that COVID had put that mirror in front of many people that may have known the magnitude of food waste that we have or the hiccups on the supply chain that we have that are creating or enabling food waste or not creating the creation done is done in different outlets. But the really the best way to reduce food waste to begin with, as my uh, our amazing CEO Ed Brown is saying, is not to create food waste at the, from the get-go, you know. Oh. And, but if we will work to realize where we even creating food waste before we're finding out what to do with the food waste, where we can donate it or how we can repurpose it. Why don't we look at step, take a step back and look at the food cycle, the production, where we can minimize the surplus. And that requires a lot of conversations right from there, because people, certainly in my world, hospitality and dining in, in, in dining services in workplaces, people expect variety. We are feeding more often the same people on a day in, day out. And just like at home, you don't want to eat the same food every day. You know, who does? We got to offer variety and with variety comes food waste. How can I offer variety or scratch that itch of offering variety yet minimize or bring this variety to a minimum circulated maybe on a daily basis or a weekly basis and keep the, my clientele engaged without having an abundance that then create food waste. That's the first step. But it's also talking to my customers, my clients, and explain to them why maybe there are other ways of just bringing deliciousness without 20 kinds of, maybe five will be 
sufficient enough. So thinking more smartly on that. And then once we know how much food waste that generates, what we can do to repurpose that food waste, bring, you know, more food to people that are less privileged or repurposing in the back of house if we can to create more dishes. But I think the starting point needs to be to have less waste to begin with. Um, and that takes a lot of education. It takes a lot of research. It takes a lot of data um, and a little bit of innovative thinking of how you bring a big dining hall that you want it to seem plentiful, um, to seem look, still look plentiful, but without a lot of variety or a lot of uh, abundance that ends up uh, repurposed. Yeah, you talk about a big dining hall, and I guess we should share with our audience who your customers are, who are the clients of Restaurant Associates, because you can have a big impact. You're talking about food waste, but you're at volume in some of your situations. We are at volume at most of our situations. Uh, at Restaurant Associates, we bring elite hospitality experience to, to our clients. A lot of them are business and institutions. It can be tech Low firms, tech firms, anyone who really wants to invest in the quality of food that they're offering to their employees. Uh, but also we have cultural centers, museums and, and cultural centers that are, uh, like the Kennedy Center in, uh, in, in DC, um, as well as catering companies. So we have four catering companies and, and restaurants, uh, on top of that. So we really touch diners at different, uh, times of dining throughout their days, but the majority of our business is feeding employees during the work days, mainly breakfast and lunch. And we are touching a lot of people. So that point of impact that we have is pretty significant. Mm -hmm. Well, that's great. And the thinking about the food waste on the front end, I, I think that's innovative in itself. A lot of times people look at it on the back end, but really a lot of changes can be made either in the way you're making the recipes or the quantities that whole what's a serving look like and how are we accommodating our customers in that way? And are we doing that correctly? Is there a better way we can do that to then maximize uh, the use of the food that we have and not have as much wasted on the back end? I think there's a lot, as you said, that can be done in the chef space to be able to, to help with that as well. What <laughs> other initiatives do you have going on? Um, you know, with with that, we also uh, want to uh, reduce the consumption of uh, animal-based protein. And for us, reduce the consumption is not alienate the consumption. You know, we, we're all chefs. We all believe in being an omnivore. We are very respectful, you know, of people's dietary choices. But I think, you know, if we look back and we don't need to reinvent the wheel, there are cuisine out there that are doing it. Yeah. for years, Indian cuisine, Asian cuisine, Middle Eastern cuisine, that I think, I don't think many people, many of our listeners will argue that their food is not delicious. You may like or prefer one cuisine over the other, but just the seasoning, just the abundance that they have, but yet it's not animal uh, uh, protein-based or centric. You know, you have a little bit of, of that on top or in addition to, but you have a lot of flavors that accompany that. So if we can bring that philosophy, and it's a cultural shift. It's a cultural shift mm -hmm. for Americans. We are we like our big piece of steak or short rib. We understand that this is a, a value added and it fulfills us. Um, you know, we come from where we come and, and 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 we like what we like. That's why I say not compromise or not take away what people like, just putting it in moderation and open other other varieties. You know, we are right now eating for the most part, for the most part, beef, chicken pork you know even on the animal 
based proteins, you have a huge variety that is untouched, just like we eat rice and, and pasta. And there is a lot of other grains and legumes and pulses uh, that can add value. And, and I don't think it needs to be like we're taking something off of people's plate. I, I think we need to look at it like we're adding, we're opening another door, we're, we're giving another experience, we're exposing to another cuisine or another dish. And I think if that's what we do with storytelling through food. So if we could bring this storytelling through food to more and more people and experience that slowly but surely, I think we will change the narrative. Yeah, that is the hardest thing. Sometimes when people are used to eating certain foods to get them to try something different. So the creativity there, that's a challenge. And I would say a, a good challenge, it looks like you're taking on to add variety in all different areas, not just in the protein, but you talked about grains, just exposing your customers to some different taste palettes and and having them enjoy them, presenting them in a way that's, you know, appetizing and they're going to enjoy that. So that's, um, you know, in, in a very narrow world, you know, if, if you have kids or you have good friends and you like cooking, when you make something, you let first people taste it, right? They'll say, oh, that's really good. What's in it? The first comment is that's what's, that's really good. Then the what's in it is not as important, right? If I would have said right from the get go, oh, this is a kohlrabi and I don't know, something, something people make crinkle their nose. Right. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, I don't think I like it. I never tried it. I, you know, I ate it once. It wasn't great. Try it first. Right. The, yes. and, and then, and then the conversation is much easier. Uh, if you really taste good. The taste is definitely the first priority. I agree with you. As a matter of fact, I often, um, when I was learning how to cook when I was younger and was newer to cooking, now I throw things together. I really enjoy cooking, but I was following recipes and I would invite friends over and they already knew by saying yes, that they were coming over, they were going to be experimented upon. I was going to try <laughs> a new recipe, a new ingredient, something different. And it, it wouldn't be the whole meal, but a dish in our meal would be something I've never had before. And probably they never had before, but it was really fun to try out different tastes, different ways of cooking. And that was my way of doing it. I just go pick an interesting recipe and make that for some friends. We we socialize over food. We gather over food. We communicate over food. Celebrate over food. And we drink. break bread. You know. Yes. It's, yes. It's much harder to have tough conversations around tasty food. <laughs> so much, so much going on. And if they're well, still their, in the still your friends, then that means that you did it well. <laughs> took really good friends to agree to be experimented upon. And if you have also some passions outside of the initiatives that you have going with innovation and it restaurant associates, which sounds like there's quite a few things happening there. But what what other things are you looking at? What what do you like in the food and drink and beverage space? Ah, ah, there's so ah. many things. <laughs> I am privileged to work in something that makes me smile like this uh, almost yes. every day. Um, I think making making people happy via and with food is 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 really a privilege. I'm happy that yeah. you know that life brought me here. Um, sure. I I I love create. I'm a creative person. I, I love newness, but I I love cultures and I and I like to see what's out there. In well, it used to be my private time. Now my private time is linking into my work time because uh, uh, you know innovations are innovations. But I work a lot with uh, with food startups. 
sometimes just, uh, you know, jumping on a call, listening what they have to say, often tasting products, just giving them mm-hmm. my two cents. Um, and and in, in few scenarios, uh, taking a seat as a, on their board as a culinary advisor and yeah. help guiding them in the product development. So my background of first being a chef and then working many years for, for Unilever, uh, learning the product development, learning the B2C, B2B, just the, the intricates of the go-to-market, you know, put me in a unique position of understanding our food system. And, and mm-hmm. I try to help um, those startups that I think have a good product make their way in. Many of them want to come into the States. Maybe they're out of the States, Europe or Israel. They don't know the market. They don't know what it means. Um, they, and many startups start from an idea that is not necessarily meeting a need. Or sometimes okay. you have a need and you don't know what exactly you need to answer that. So I try to liaison between the conversation of what do you have, what need does it answer, or what need do I have, and which startup can can help me out. Um, yeah. And and I love being on the on the front end edge of of that knife uh, of yes. that particular knife. And I think you know it's been it's been a, a rapid growing area. A lot of money has been diverted into food tech and agri-tech, I think realizing the need that our supply chain needs a big boost that in order to democratize to democratize nutrition, food, things fundamentally had to change and how we produce food, what we create need to be reassessed. So I have a lot of passion of of being bringing change through those startups um, and and sharing some of you know what I got to earn as a as a give back. So uh, yes. that's where I spend uh, my my other part of the day. <laughs> yes, a lot of time. And uh, you spoke about just trying to, you know, work uh, across the globe, really, because we're we're all trying to raise the the bar. And I know you have a big interest in sustainability Correct. and how we're going to keep feeding uh, the people that we're feeding. Do you want to speak to that just a little bit, or you know, I'm I'm I, I think we're not urgent enough in a crisis mode. And I know we're divided around, you know, is it global warming? Is it the, the driver right now doesn't matter. The, the driver doesn't matter. What matters is that we have a depleting planet and a growing population and injustice, certainly when it comes to food, even in the U.S. Um, I just heard the, uh, last week that there is 2.2 million, with, uh, million people in the U.S. that don't have access to clean water in the United States. Wow. In the 21st century, this is not something you expect to hear when you hear United States, you know, so we can only imagine if this is the problem that we have here, what are the magnitude of those problems in less privileged uh, places in the world? And I think we have a responsibility. I have a responsibility. Me as a person working in this industry, Restaurant Associates as as a company that feeds people and Compass in general is the biggest hospitality company in the world. And we are aware of those. So. Yeah. For me, this is this is not an ask anymore. This is I'm I'm crying for help here for the sake of my kids, you know. And and I understand we can't. Uh, not that I want to boil the ocean. God knows that weather does it anyway, you know. <laughs> Definitely no pun intended here. Um, you know, I I know it's a big call to action. It's a big task, and we can't do everything in one shot. But there are small things that I think each and every one as a human can do. 
And each and every one is a small cell, family, company um, can do to really uh, make sure that more people have access to water or nutritious food or diverse food or options. You know, the reality that we have food deserts in the United States in now in, in yeah. today's age is mind, mind blowing to me that there are kids that get only one half meal a day and that's in school and it's not necessarily always great um, yeah. is also another one. I'm on the board of the Chefs and Foundation and, and Chef and Cooper many years ago, you know, realized that this is going to be an issue. And there are kids who deserve to have a nutritious meal while they are in our education system, because more often than not, this is the only meal that they do. And as much change that can come from companies, change needs to come also from government to help subsidize and on one end, the opportunity of serving nutritious food. And on the other end, organization like chefs and that train the people and train the school and build the infrastructure to connect those dots. And and all it takes is my time and some of my expertise. It really doesn't take that much more, you know, to try and make an impact. And I think this is this is really, really close to my heart because I, my kids are yelling at me of what kind of planet I'm I'm living them. <laughs> I want them to well, stop yelling. <laughs> I know. I'm I'm so glad you're giving of your gifts. And I think, you know, just that education piece and giving people the knowledge of how to do better is is always so good. But right now the the industry is being challenged. I mean, pre-pandemic. Maybe there were some shortages of staffing, but certainly post-pandemic, like the people to deliver the food and, and create the food, it's it's a real challenge. I don't know if you have any witty inventions or ideas around the staffing uh, with some of the innovation that you've been exposed to. Yes and yes. So yes and first yes. and foremost, you, you, are, you are so right. And, you know, I, I keep saying that we are coming out of a global pandemic, but we sure did enter a whole new one and it's labor. You know, this is like, this is my bumper sticker, right? That labor is the new pandemic. It is. Uh, and it meets us in different ways uh, between cleaning garbage in the city to uh, drivers anywhere else. And, you know, the food industry is, is no stranger to that. We had shortage of labor prior to COVID. And unfortunately, COVID pretty much exposed how unsustainable our, our, our industry is. And and people are not stupid. You know, people who work in that industry had a, a blessing maybe to have a timeout and reassess their lives. Unfortunately, the outcome of that timeout is that many people chose not to come back to the industry. They don't work those hours for a smaller wages, maybe no benefits. Um, and with this hovering sword of God forbid, if there will be another wave of something like COVID and people will not go out and eat, it leaves them, you know, without livelihood again. And on the other end, a lot of young talent looks at the industry and say why would I come and work in that industry even though I love food and I always wanted to cook you know and it's a shame because it's a rewarding industry and mm -hmm. and yes it's not easy but I don't know of any industry that is easy you go to be a doctor you go to be a lawyer we gotta pay our dues everywhere we go that's not to cover up and say that there are many things that need to change and on my end with innovations we are looking at different things with the different coming back to the office of maybe three days a week ah Maybe the work-life balance in the industry can start changing. Maybe you can have a day off that you didn't think you may have or a longer weekend or shorter days on those slower days. Uh, we can schedule people differently where if you want to be with your kid in a recital on a Wednesday evening, you can. 
you know, I think we just need to look at the food industry. Just we look at just like we look at it, any corporation or any other yeah. company and just say, oh, well, those are the hours, 30, 12, 13 hours a day. Yeah. You know, you got to, you know, it may not be the only way. It is not the only way. And really the places that have come back strong from COVID restaurants and, and other institutions are places that had a really good culture. Uh, and work-life balance before, uh, because people want to spend their day wherever they feel they are being valued. And I think that's something to say. We are at RA have a culture of care, and our culture of care is not only with our clients and our and the people that we feed. It starts with the people that work for us. Uh, it's important that the people that work for us are mentally well, are physically well, because you know, much like much like the airplane, you know, you have to put the mask, the 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 oxygen mask on you first, and then take care of somebody else. It's very much the same in our industry right now. We're at the phase of putting the oxygen mask on our people, um, and I think people on the outside should evaluate that and realize that there are other opportunities there. And if they do like food and they do like to be in their business, I'm a walking example of, of the career that can be made wonderfully with having three kids and, you know, and all the other stuff, you know, there are options. So we do need to change. There are many innovations that are working on, on making the job, the physical job of the kitchen easier, robotics and more efficient um, um, ovens uh, and such that I think as they become more embedded and a little bit more affordable uh, uh, to the majority, it will change how kitchen is being run and potentially what is the skill set that that a chef may need but i i think the industry understands that we're just now in the eye of the storm uh more or less well i think you're what you're saying is really just right on the realization is there that change has to be made and the employees are demanding it and the companies like yours are meeting that need and trying to figure out how things need to change and and what's best, what's a win-win for both the company and the employee or the chef or the line worker or whomever it might be who's involved in that food service piece. You know, the training piece of it. I mean, if you, I I think about, um, you know, that six day a week kind of chef, this is our chef and they're there all the time when the restaurant's open. I don't know that that is what new chefs, like you said, are aspiring to any longer. And so maybe it's a combination of things that's happening here. And the good thing is, I think that the conversation is happening, which is what I hear you saying. We're talking about it. We're trying to find solutions. We're trying new things. Maybe it's Maybe it's instead of six days a week, we're going to have two people that each work and overlap or something like that. And and that's going to require some more training, a lot of communication to be sure that things are consistent throughout the different personalities and people that are fulfilling the work. But I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm very positive thinking about uh, solutions are out there and they just need to be discovered to, to see what we can do uh, to help right. the industry as a whole. Because we all love to eat, <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> when we want people that love to cook and love to create in that food space to be serving us. I mean, I value that. And so I'm I'm excited that, you know, some of the younger chefs, maybe we can meet everybody's needs, u- utilize their gifts and also give, um, you know, a good balanced life. I mean, a, a good career path moving exactly. forward. Exactly. And I think um, career pathing is something that we hear. So when we are our when we ask, when I ask our young talent, what is what is it that they would want to see? What it is that drew them, you know, yeah. to us, or they would like to see in order to stay with us? 
it is very much career pathing. And and it's something that our industry is not good at doing. You know, it's kind of like, oh, you're going to start from the bottom and work yourself out two years here, two years here, move around. And it, that still may be the way, but it doesn't mean that it needs to be done in an unbalanced way. And if people know exactly what they would want to learn or what opportunities and entities will invest more in training rather than put the, uh, the, the, the weight of learning on, on the employee, you know, we invest a lot in training because in the real life, as a chef, you learn by moving around. So it's the, the ownership is on you to learn. You carve your path. Uh, but I think companies like us that say, wait, 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 we'll take the load a little bit off of you. You do your job, but we will supplement it with many other options that you can learn anywhere from P&L, food costs, mm-hmm. you know, things that you may not be exposed until later to advance yeah. your career. Um, that's what people are looking for because it opens opportunities. And give that enrichment. And, you know, here on the Future Foodcast, we've interviewed a lot of those companies who are providing innovation in the food space to allow the chefs to not have to focus on maybe some of those mundane, more mundane activities, but to be able to maximize their time. But, you know, if we can, but via robotics or artificial intelligence or whatever it might be, get that part of the job done so that the chef and the person involved in the food and the creation can actually use the part that's most interesting to them and the the creativity part. I mean, that's a win-win all the way around. So I think all of the innovation that you're involved in and looking at, I I think it's all going to come together to move the industry forward. Absolutely. It has to. We yeah. have well, to. <laughs> speaking of moving the industry forward, you know, as you look kind of to the future, which that's a lot of what you do at Restaurant Associate as as far as being involved with innovation and uh, in the chef space. And what do you see happening out there? What's your what's your vision or what are some of the initiatives that are going on? I see a lot to do with, you know, the whole well-being, you know, came, if you look trajectory back, it was, you know, diet or what food doesn't have. And then we shifted the conversation to what you do have, right? So it used to be, it doesn't have saturated fat, it doesn't have this. Then it was like, oh, enriched with protein, enriched, you know, what it does have. I think we're coming to an era where people understand that wholesome eating uh, is very important to their functionality. I think the monitoring of oneself through whatever app or watch or whatever it is, maybe not to the degree that triathletes are doing of measuring every nuances, but I think people are starting to be very tuned to their well-being um, in, in a good way, in a good way. And we have those in, those devices that enable us to see. And I think food is not there to follow it throughout the day because there's still a lot. But slowly, I think the variety of food that will be offered will match that demand even more. And, and I think the most uh, obvious um, example for me is if you go to an airport, certainly Newark, right here in, in, in New Jersey, way back then you went to a, a, an airport and you pretty much had like your regular unhealthy snacks all over. But you go now and you see such a variety of things, you know, that are more healthy or wholesome than just, I just need something sweet. And and I think if a pedestrian place like an airport managed to do this shift, then more and more places will. And I think people are slowly ordering more and more uh, variety. I think we're more open-minded to other cuisines and other flavors and just experimenting. I don't see that going anywhere. I think traveling through your plate is going to continue small daily adventures that people take just to 
just to, you know, try something else and, and expose themselves. Um, I know certainly from the younger generation that is inherently more exposed to the world, is craving those experiences. And food is probably the lowest hanging fruit of or vehicle of, of bringing those experiences in. I think technology and digitizations are going to gain more and more momentum. There was a lot of reluctancy um, in the food industry to adopt uh, uh, digitization because we, who doesn't like to pick up the phone and just talk to the purveyor and say, hey, you know, I'm sure the case. I'm, I think COVID made a leap into e-commerce and being able to do that. And that will allow significantly smarter systems of procurement and food costing and food waste management also on the single unit. So it will bring the change. We definitely see reduction in plastic, huge thing for the innovation. That food tech and food in general, there is mandate from big players to uh, eliminate plastic in back of house by 2030 altogether. So, you know, this Mm -hmm. is the powers that may are really making it, you know, it's not just a stick at the sand. It's probably <laughs> a stick in concrete, um, but that will shift the way of how we consume snacks and maybe water and drinks. And I think maybe consumers slowly will be more open-minded to go back to bulk or, or things along those lines that are not so big on, on the retail end, just because the food service uh, will go there. I think diverse, diverse suppliers are huge. We have a huge initiative mm-hmm with our clients and with our procurement uh, uh, team, Food Buy, which are amazing in helping us source everything to source more from diverse suppliers, women and minority owned. Uh, we need to level the playing field uh, of who supplies into this industry and give opportunities and a voice to others that have a lot to give and offer. And I think it will make our industry healthier um, in the long run and give different experiences. So it's connecting everything together. It's just knowing what to ask, knowing what to get, and knowing not to expect a lot from small suppliers. They w- they're not able to supply nationally by a slip of a switch. It's not, you know, we... We need to adjust the big thinking with the small manufacturing and meet in the middle. And that will be a whole new world. Yeah, just supporting more regionally where you have your different locations so that you can tap into those smaller suppliers that are right in your neighborhood where your clients are. And that does, like you say, from the corporate perspective, that does take extra work, so much less overhead to just order from the big nationwide supplier. But at the same time, if that's part of your initiative, then they're willing to put in the the time and the research to identify them and make sure the quality is what you want for restaurant associates and your clients and, and those kind of things. Just a little bit more legwork on the front end. But I think you're right. I think that people are looking for more options. I will say though, sometimes there are, there's a group of people that are not I mean, they, they talk, they they eat fat (laughs) and they're going to continue to need the comfort food on the menu. But for those that are serious about trying new things, you're providing the options to them. And, and that's where consumer trends are going and consumer desires. That's what, that's what we're hearing. They want more transparency. They want better quality food. They want things that are closer to not as processed. Um, right. Foods right. in general. 
And and uh, that's a call to action to the big players too. And and that's what yeah. we do at Compass. We talk to our suppliers, the big suppliers, because we cannot make the difference on our own. We we kind of like stuck in the middle, right? So I think this is if the pressure comes from different ends, it's a huge leap forward uh, from a change point of view. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm excited to what what's going on for the future and that. There are people like you involved in the decision-making process and your passion leads you on the front end with newer companies that are trying to develop to help them make good decisions and go in the direction of consumers. And we have covered so many things. (laughs) Is there anything else you would like to share with our audience before we go today? No, I I think we've we've touched on a lot and the big important things. I think we need to remember that food I wouldn't say define us, but food brings people together. And, you know, I, I, it's important for me that when we strip everything away, the people sit down and enjoy the food and remember that somebody that really loves what they're doing is standing on the other side of the kitchen, making it, working really hard to do that, you know, so people can enjoy those moments, this half an hour break of the day or this time with their family. Um, and it, it's an ecosystem. Um, And so we need to take care of each other. And those are words of wisdom. Thank you for sharing that with us. And thank you for watching out for those of us consumers that come to your locations and want some good quality food. We really appreciate being (laughs) with us on the Future Foodcast today. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Future Foodcast. Future Foodcast is powered by Farm to Plate, the leading food blockchain platform. Subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to stay up to date with the very latest innovations in the food industry. 